want the money. I want the title. And I can get it because I'm already doing the work. You've thought it. Now it's time to actually believe it. You're listening to Her Next Career Move, the safe space where you'll learn how to stop your mind from career blocking you so you can claim the wealth and work you deserve. I'm Dr. Jasmine Escalera, a career-minded Latina turned Forbes featured coach, and I'm ready to have some candid conversations about how you can build the confidence to step into the career you know you deserve. All right, now let's get going. Hey, everyone. I am so excited about this conversation. And I know I say that for every conversation. Every conversation does excite me. But this one is about something that is so connected to my heart and soul right now. It is all about burnout. Burnout and learning how to put yourself first. And I have a masterful coach here with me who is also a really good friend who's going to tell you all about burnout, how to put you first, and even share her story of how burnout actually brought her to her business. So LaToya, I want you to come up on this podcast stage and let's get this kick started. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Jasmine. Oh, always great to connect with you uh, was ever, ever so looking forward to our chat today. Um, this is a conversation that is near and dear to my heart for a whole host of reasons. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to be able to go both narrow and deep with our listeners today. (laughs) How does that sound? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, the reason why burnout is just such a, such an important topic to talk about in general for all of us, but especially coming right now, us having this conversation is interesting because I just admitted to myself just this week coming off of, I'm not, I'm, even, I'm not even off of it yet, but coming off of the flu, having gotten so sick at the end of 2022, coming into 2023, that I drove myself to burnout. I definitely drove myself to burnout in 2022. And I drove myself to burnout because I was comparing myself to other coaches, thinking that my business had to be further along than it was. I drove myself to burnout with trying to create new programs and things that everyone else would want instead of thinking about what is it that I actually want to do in this business. I drove myself to burnout listening to hustle culture and hustle society. And so I would love to know to start off, you know, give us an introduction of you, why this topic is so important to you, and why when I asked you to come on the show, burnout was the thing that you were like, we have to discuss this. Oh, thank you so much, Jasmine. Well, first and foremost, for your listeners, um, <laughs> I'll give you know my typical 30-second intro. My name is LaToya Berkeley. I am founder, CEO, and executive coach at Your Big Debut LLC, uh, which is a coaching and consulting firm centered around educating, activating, and igniting women around how they can serve at their highest sense of self. I am a certified coach with an ACC credential from the International Coaching Federation, of which I am also a board chair for the New England chapter. 
as an executive coach, I really specialize in career strategy, executive and leadership development. Typically, my clients are people who are mid to executive level professionals. They typically are people leaders who lead other people leaders, or they have a high level stake in like process management. They probably do a lot with vision and strategy for their organizations, both in and out of, I'll say, corporate America for and nonprofit. I am also a certified professional diversity coach with an expertise in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and helping organizations build equitable processes and behaviors. My education from Coach Diversity Institute and their partnership with Howard University School of Business really gave me the tools and tactics to help C-suite leaders think differently about differences and build sustainable environments centered on the employee experience, honoring really the wholeness of ourselves at work, right? Right. I heard you ask me kind of the genesis for the business as well as like, why is burnout so close to my heart? I think the short version of that really is, mm, I was just a stressed out professional in corporate America, right? With a solid HR and business operations background. Um, I'm sure somewhere in my professional journey, I knew that I was ready for more. I tell people I have been drinking stale office break room coffee with like an asset managed laptop and a badge number and an assigned parking space since I was about 19. And I would say from that time, I really wasn't putting my well-being first. As a matter of fact, I needed to wake up to the idea that I wasn't going to continue to put my well-being last for the sake of productivity or promotions. I wanted to close the gap in the market where I saw many women of color, Black women specifically, who had found themselves stuck in this middle management space without access to the executive coaching or leadership development resources, not just that their white counterparts were getting, but executive coaching and leadership development resources that could speak to their lived experience that was not cookie cutter driven off of some homogenous or patriarchal environment. So I started your big debut because girl, I was ready for mine. I was ready for my big debut. I was on medical leave. Um, I had gotten myself to a place where I was now forced to stop. I didn't have the option to stop. My body had shut me down and I was ready to plot my, my next career move. And that led me to starting a coaching and consulting firm. I love that. I really do. And what I'm hearing you say is almost this resonating saying of like putting yourself first. Like you actually have to realize, and it sucks that sometimes it takes us going to the bottom physically, mentally, emotionally in order to realize, wait a second, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't treat myself like this anymore. That's what happened with me for sure. I hit a I think a physical and emotional rock bottom. And now I can finally say like, I just don't ever want to go there again. And it sounds like you were working in the corporate space for so long and really realized like, I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to put myself through this anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, I can think of times where I would, I would have days where let's say, you know, let's say I'm, I'm going to start my work day in kind of the standard eight to five type methodology. It's 8 a.m., but realistically, I've been working since like the moment I opened my eyes. 
my alarm would go off at like 5.30, 6 o'clock. The first thing I would do is either pick up my phone or pick up my computer, log on and call myself kind of previewing, you know, what I can anticipate when I get into the office from emails or workload. And then it was like, you know, taking check-in calls or or joining a 7.30 check-in meeting for a quarterly review while I'm in traffic, going to the office where I'm going to work. It's not 8 a.m. yet, right? Getting into the office at 8 a.m., continuing work, working through my lunch, talking about work as I am walking the hallways with individuals, um, going to get more coffee, talking about work, overdosing on work, if you will, right? Wrapping up work at, let's say, 5, 5.30, but then joining coworkers um, for dinner or for drinks afterward, which only becomes an extension of the work. We're, we're still talking about work when we're at the restaurant or when we're at the cafe, um, you know, talking to coworkers on the drive, on the drive home, the commute home, getting home, starting dinner with a laptop open and multitasking between really a downshift into my evening while I'm scheduling emails to go out the next morning, right? Just nonstop and doing that until the wee hours of the morning, getting a solid four, four and a half hours of sleep and doing all of that again, um, with the addition of like cold pizza, for lunch and like Red Bull to keep me sustained. Just and I say keep me sustained, but obviously those were not long term sustainable behaviors, right? No, but I can one hundred and ten percent validate everything that you're talking about, and I'm sure many of the listeners too can as well. And we were going to talk about the signs of burnout, and I think you're already going into it. And I'd love to hear some more of the signs that you think. But I think for me, when I was in my career. This is going to, I don't know that I've ever actually admitted this out loud. So this is a first time for me, but one of the signs of burnout for me was, um, and when I really realized this has to change, you were talking about talking about it all the time, talking about work all the time, being in that space all the time. But that ate away at me because I felt like I wasn't tending to any other area of my life, but I didn't know how to get out of this spiral. And so I actually turned towards alcohol and I started to drink significantly more, even though I was feeling terrible and it somehow made me feel worse. So any more signs besides just kind of ruminating on work and just being in that work atmosphere 24 seven, but are there any other signs of burnout that your clients have experienced or that you've experienced? Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll start by saying that really each individual is unique with their own unique needs, right? So I don't want any of your listeners to walk away thinking that this is the end all be all, or, you know, this certainly is an exhaustive list, but certainly within my practice, within my own personal and professional experience, genuinely it starts with this increased level of stress and anxiety. And, And when I say anxiety, I don't mean just what can and cannot be clinically diagnosed, but it's the notion that when you think about work or you think about your workload, there's this visceral reaction in your mind, right? Something causes your mind and your body to react. Quickly leads to exhaustion. More than just being physically tired, like I need to sit down or I need to get more sleep, your brain is actually at maximum capacity. 
there's no more mental real estate to process thoughts and not just big thoughts like how am I, how am I going to get these reports done? But thoughts like, what do I, <laughs> what do I need from the grocery store? What's, what's in the refrigerator, right? Your brain is so foggy. You, you can't even get down to, to those levels. You may be making simple mistakes at work. Um, you know, emails full of typos, or maybe there's a typical process that you follow in your day to day and you're skipping steps. You're really having a hard time concentrating. You may even start developing this real, <laughs> you mentioned it when you're saying, gosh, you know, with the onset of alcohol, I felt worse. It's more than just a crabby attitude. Um, cynicism actually starts to kick in here, right? Everything is lackluster. Everything is subpar. You might stop socializing as much, may even lose some interest in hobbies or activities that you once enjoyed. And I think we've all experienced, um, I know there's a meme about it somewhere on our wonderful internet, but it's the thing where you say, you know, there's a hundred things for me to do. So I'm looking at my list of a hundred things to do. And you know what? I think I'm going to take a nap. The, the, I don't know where to start feeling that in itself is not out of the ordinary. I think habitual burnout shows up when you say, I have 100 things to do, and I'm instead going to always open up social media and start scrolling mindlessly, or do whatever it takes to both medicate and detach from my massive workload, right? I.E.Q. alcohol, uh, because I don't have the brain power to really know where to start. Obviously, these behaviors built up over time really start to break down the body, um, you may start to feel sick more often. It's this constant headaches, general malaise, this overwhelming fatigue feeling. Your body just can't fight off the junk that's around you or in the air. I will add, thinking about kind of what are these signs of burnout? What have I seen with my clients? One of the, I'll say the sleeper cells here is a person who can hyperfunction and who does so often, right? So they're used to consistently running at 180% in their mind when their body is really only giving them 15%. These burnout signs can easily be masked. I work with so many high achieving women who they're internally spent, they are completely maxed out, but the adrenaline rush that they get of the, hey, I'm going to figure out how to get all this done or get to the next job level, that actually turns into a burnout coping mechanism. They get really good at pushing the battle to the gate always, that their body just starts to support them on quarter of a tank of gas always. They can they can drive 150 miles <laughs> when they're almost on empty or running on fumes. We, we see it with hyper-functioning individuals. We see it with high-achieving women. Um, I see it all the time with women who just, especially women of color, Jasmine, who have just not been afforded the opportunity either generationally, either based on societal norms, cultural norms, to take a step back and just analyze what does a pause button look like for me? Oh my God, you are speaking to my core right now. Um, and I feel like I'm going to say a lot of things during this episode that I have not shared because they just became realities for me. But late last year, so 2022 for me was a year of healing. And late last year, I remember sitting around and I came to this point where I said, I think I'm addicted to scarcity. 
I think I'm addicted to being in a state where I don't have things figured out and I need to figure them out. I think I'm addicted to not having money because I enjoy the adrenaline rush of trying to figure out how to make money. I am 110% hyperfunctional and the way that I do it, it's so sneaky because I love mindset work and I love positivity. But in those moments when my body can't move, I just basically talk myself into moving. I will talk myself into hyper positivity and talk myself into this place of, you got this, you can do it, instead of really just telling myself, you can't do a damn thing right now. So I 100% resonate. And I think that as women of color, coming from certain backgrounds, coming from certain socioeconomic statuses, we don't realize that we actually, our default mechanism is to figure shit out. Our default mechanism is to be in a space where we don't have and we have to figure out how to make do or make more. And that puts us into these burnout states. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kudos to you, Jasmine, for giving yourself the space, inviting yourself to have those type of reflections, even though I hear you saying like, hmm, there, there may be some more reflections just even in this call right now, right? I may yes, say so. there are many more reflections <laughs> I need to be doing. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I literally have a notepad next to me and I took notes and I'm like, okay, I need to go into this. Yeah, um, we have we have been conditioned. And I think, you know, if I can submit something for you to consider without this being turned into like a live coaching session for your listeners. Please coach me, LaToya. Please coach yeah, me. Yeah, you know, we it's easy for us to get hard on ourselves and, and say, gosh, why, why didn't? Why didn't I recognize? Why did I let myself hit rock bottom? Why did I go to 12 when I could have easily self-solved at four? I would just submit for you to consider the world that we live in is conditioned to co-sign on all of your vulnerabilities. Hard stop. You live in a society that will co-sign on your stress. It will co-sign on your depression. It will co-sign on the medication through shopping, alcoholism, um, hyper-functioning behaviors, right? You live in a society, we live in a society that will co-sign on all of that. So it's a fine balance. And I, and I think one of the things that is really important when we talk about burnout is to understand that these are not one and done conversations. I label myself as you know, the executive coach that activates, educates, and ignites high achieving women, women professionals to serve at their highest sense of self. I say that because I'm consistently doing that. Brene Brown has a a great kind of term for it. If anyone has ever watched Silence of the Lambs, sometimes you're Dr. Claire Reese, sometimes you're Hannibal Lecter. Sometimes you are both the healer and sometimes you're the inflictor. Burnout is a consistent learning and unlearning process. And so getting good at that at that balance, or at least the recognition of the balance is really step one, Jasmine. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And wow, damn, those words, society will co-sign on your vulnerabilities. Um, That that hit me really hard because I 100% believe that. I actually believe that society co-signs on our vulnerabilities to keep us vulnerable, to keep us in the place that we are in. And especially as women of color, I do feel like there are a lot of people 
in this society that do not want to see us rise to our potential. And yeah, they will co-sign on those vulnerabilities all day, every day to keep us where we are. So, ah, wow, that was powerful. Thank you so much for that. Um, That really just brought me to a whole different place. So I appreciate that. And I know so many of the listeners are like snapping their fingers right now, LaToya. You are already dropping the gems and we didn't even really get to the questions yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ever excited to do so. And thank you. Of course. Yeah. So let me get to a question that I think really does jump off from this. I've had a lot of my clients, women of color, brilliant women of color, amazing women of color, who step into the workplace and they all have the same similar mentality of, I need to prove myself. Not that I can just bring my expertise into this space and be validated for that expertise, but I have to prove myself. And I recently had a conversation with my dad, and he actually used those words to me where he said, well, you can just go into the place and you can just prove yourself when you're there. And it was like, wow, this is something that is perpetuated in our society also of we have to prove ourselves. How do you think that that mentality might play into experiencing burnout in the workplace for women of color? I I really feel like you just answered it. You know, when you think of women of color, is that not part of our lived experience, right? We, we come from, or we identify with, you know, communities that are historically underserved, whether you're a black woman, Latina, Asian of, you know, multiple races, we carry much of the work ethic of our ancestors who instilled in us that, You got to work twice as hard to be evenly as good compared to your white counterparts. And if that phrasing wasn't tattooed on our identity, nine times out of 10, we absorb those familial norms that we saw our mamas, our grandmamas and so forth, taking care of an entire side of a family tree, right? Working multiple jobs, caring for children that they didn't birth or adopt, Um, lack of access in our westernized world for many black and brown communities made it so most were raised to never be given a reason. You never give them a reason. Don't give anyone a reason to tell you no. So if the job requires a bachelor's, you go get a master's. If it requires four years of experience, you make sure you had six, right? We do that, especially when we look through the lens of education, upward mobility, and a job. We have been, again, we've been conditioned as communities of color to outperform because we've always had to show our worth. And I think the unintended consequence of that is in this space of me as a Black woman, I have to show up and perform versus show up and be accepted, be included, be brought into the fold without the performance. Our worth is, is questioned. We question our own worth, whether we know it or not. And when we think about just a professional journey, so many women of color have their worth coupled into what they do. If I remove the veil of their job description, they can't tell me who they are. Or when I'm out, when I'm networking, when I'm meeting people, when I'm having those initial conversations, certainly when I'm on a like chemistry or discovery call with a person who's maybe shopping executive coaching. And the first question I ask is, tell me who you are. Um, am I very Wakanda-esque, right? Tell me, tell me who you are. The first thing they tell me is what they do for a living. 
And in our Westernized society, it's hard for us to know otherwise, because so much of our worth is tied up in our profession. Um, I'm I'm, going to stop there. (laughs) I'm going to stop there and ask. (laughs) What comes up for you, Jasmine? (laughs) So much comes up for me because it's interesting when you said that, like, tell me, like, kind of like, tell me about yourself or tell me who you are. And uh, I think for a very, very long time, that answer was really attached to my career. And, you know, the funny thing is, Latoya, I'm doing a lot of reflecting right now because I think that I supplemented business in the same way. So, you know, when people ask me who I am, I go right to being a coach, right to being, you know, this person. And I'm trying to figure out even like who I am without any of this stuff. And I know that's very existential, but I agree with you 100% that it's almost kind of like we do have to lead with all of our accomplishments in order for people to even feel like we deserve to be in the space. And so, yeah, just validating everything you said there. So powerful. Thank you so much for sharing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd add to Jasmine, really, for for women of color, you know, the the thread that we pull through this conversation is there's this there is this ingrained something that lays in our DNA that we've got to work, work, work. We've got to outperform. We've got to overperform. So when we think about burnout. We don't. Our bodies may not even know when we're overwhelmed or when we need to stop. I think cognitively, sometimes we can recognize that, but just because of what we've absorbed generationally, it's it's hard to do that. And then couple that with, if you're in a place, if you're in a job that is going to reward you being the, the utility player, there's not going to be a cap on how much you work as a machine. In fact, most women I see who come through my practice, they've been rewarded for this reputation of, you know what, such and such can get it done. Give it to Jasmine in the 11th hour. Yep. She'll pull it off. Yeah, absolutely. And where I hear you talking about, you know, we, that's translated into business. For, for those of us who are solopreneurs or entrepreneurs, yeah, it's easy to double those things. Agnostic of working in a corporate environment, it's the methodology to work. We get used to doing not just great work, but we get used to doing hard work. And failure does not become an option. We have to do it for women. We have to do it for women of color. We've got to do it for young women. We've got to do it for older women. We've got to do it for women raising children. Um, It's a name for it, actually. It's called Atlas Syndrome. And it's the idea that we're holding up the whole world for the sake of our own upward mobility. There is a whole host of things in air quotes that can come into this conversation like meritocracy. The idea that if you keep your head down, you do good work, you're going to go far. I think that was also ingrained in us as women of color based on how our parents worked, how our grandparents worked, how maybe our families came over into this country. So we talk about unpacking through the lens of burnout. We have a lot of work to do. And again, this is why burnout is not a one and done conversation. This is an ongoing conversation. It is a consistent lens that as a society, we need to continue to work through. Absolutely. I I completely agree with that. And I actually didn't know about Atlas syndrome, although I can picture that's the Greek God that's holding the world on his shoulders, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, yep, that feels very familiar to me. <laughs> oh my. I'm sure I'm sure that some people can say that too and it it is a condition, man. I 
I grew up with two of the most phenomenal hustlers as parents, two people who really had to hustle hard to just even get us food on the table. And so when you see that all the time, you're absolutely right. It becomes ingrained in you and failure is simply not an option. Um, so I 100% agree. So I want to ask you then, like, how do we actually protect ourselves against this? How do we protect ourselves against burnout? And there's a, there's a lot of conversation happening around company fit, toxic companies and finding the right companies to actually, that actually do care about you as a person, not as an employee. So how do we protect ourselves against burnout? And also how do we find places and spaces that maybe aren't even going to be causing this, which would be amazing? Yeah. I think when we talk about protecting ourselves against burnout, we have to remember that burnout always starts and ends with us as individuals. It starts and ends with me, Latoya Renee Berkeley, right? And we, we protect ourselves first and foremost from burnout by setting good boundaries, communicating them often, and then sticking to them unapologetically. Hard stop. Oftentimes, we forget just how much agency we've been given. Again, we've been conditioned to believe that, you know, if I don't have this good job or these good benefits, the world is going to crumble around us. We're not going to take care of our families. You know, our, our cars and our homes will be repossessed if I just don't have this one job. We're so driven by fear and scarcity mindset that we'll often hold our own selves back from what's truly best from us. It is an Ariana Huffington quote. Anytime I talk about burnout and anti-burnout tactics, it always comes up. And it's the idea that burnout isn't the price that you have to pay for success. However, one decides to define success. You also can't have the anti-burnout conversation without talking about mindset. I've worked with women who purposefully overwork themselves because they don't believe that they deserve anything different, or they've never been given, again, the chance to just sit down, breathe, take a step back and feel what it's like to plan out a strategy, an exit strategy or otherwise, right? Or take their power back from a place of burnout. What I tend to help clients explore, especially if we're looking at career strategy, somewhere in their coaching engagement is that before you look into a job search strategy or before you go from kind of passive job seeking to aggressive job seeking, you've got to get clear on what you want, not just the the type of work you want to do, but what are the type of companies that you want to align with? Who's, who's doing work in the way that you want to work? Not just how you want to get work done, which is a big factor, right? When we're talking about work arrangements, is this hybrid? Is this in office? Is this 100% remote? What's the shared definition within work arrangements? When I say 100% remote, are, are we saying when I'm physically in my place of residence? Or is this anywhere that I have an, an internet connection, right? Do I have to reside in one of the 50 states? Um, is the company going to ask you to be a Jill of all trades? Will you have to wear multiple hats? That'll drive the, the industry. Most startups tend to be scrappy. You may be the senior product manager, and you also may have to be your own administrative assistant for a while. Is it a matter of 
looking for the type of company and role that's going to require work to be assessed on how much work gets done or is the focus on when work gets done? Am I being measured for my outcome or am I being measured for the way that the work gets done, right? And and know that what's going to be a deal breaker for you might not be a deal breaker for someone else. So I guess long-windedly to say, we've got to get crystal clear on our on what we want and then how we want to execute that. And, and then lean into the mindset. How do we get away from fear and scarcity? And I, I get it. It may even sound condescending. A lot of us don't know a world without scarcity mindset. How much better of a time to start unpacking that? Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about what the next two years are going to be in my career. Or, you know, I've been at this company for the next 25 years and or, or for the last 25 years, I should say. And gosh, I've stayed here because I'm scared to go somewhere else. Great. That's actually great. It's a great place to start because now we have identified what potentially can be a problem. And now we can start to explore what those solutions are. What are the behaviors that led you here? What are the things that you might want to unpack? If I gave you a magic wand, how would you make it perfect? What does support look like on this journey of aligning yourself with a company that's going to protect your boundaries, that's going to honor your wellness at work? Does it exist? Do you have to build it? And if so, what's the next step? I think all those things, all those those tidbits anecdotally fall into the bucket of how do we protect ourselves from burnout? How do we incorporate what I call anti-burnout strategies? And then how do we align ourselves with the companies, the industries, the jobs that's going to protect our well-being at work? Absolutely. And I think it also jumps into what I wanted to ask you about also, which is putting yourself first. Because the first thing I heard you say was get clear on what you want. And when I talk about putting yourself first, or when I even considered putting myself first in my life, in my career, it was it started there. It started with, well, what is it that you actually want? So when you think about putting yourself first as a tactic to really help with not experiencing burnout, do you think that that assessment of what is it that I want is also the beginning of putting yourself first? And what other tips or strategies do you give to your clients when it's like, now you need to really focus on you, putting you first? Yeah. Mm. You know, what comes top of mind when you ask that question, I think about just the role of an executive coach, myself, yourself, anyone who has both the credentials, the subject matter expertise, and the psychological availability to be with individuals in that very, I would say that's a very intimate space when we're calling clients to say, hey, so what do you want? What does articulating your wants and needs look like for you in this moment? I mean, that's, it's extremely, it's extremely intimate. Folks have to maybe say things out loud or say things to themselves that they they never have before. I think for me, it's important for me to activate women to take their next step, to know that they have agency, know that they are not harnessed to any one particular job, industry, or title. And they don't have to sacrifice themselves for the sake of productivity. And yes, set goals. Yes, professional development. Yes, yes, to all of that. But make sure those things are in alignment with those wants. And if there's lack of clarity, we've got to get there first. So putting yourself first 
starts with recognizing that you are worthy. You are deserving. You are more than enough in this moment as we recognize that your needs and your wants are just as important as the deadlines that you are stressing yourself out to make, as the digital courses that you may be building, as the um, jars that you may be purchasing from a third-party supplier so that you can continue in your candle-making business, right? You're just as important and even more so than these tangible items that can easily be replaced. You, however, cannot. You are a human being, not a human doing. I don't know how many times we've heard you know that phrase. I think also, too, the relationship that one has with an executive coach should not be the end-all, be-all. For the woman professional who is really looking to get some clarity on upward mobility, career progress, and has a lot to unpack, it's probably good to approach these things in tandem with a licensed counselor, with a therapist, with someone who can also help you unpack and unlock those spaces within your mind clinically that is not the subject matter expertise for an executive coach. Co-creating those approaches. You, you almost develop this, if you think about a care team in the medical world, right? You may have an endocrinologist, you may have a general physician, you may have uh, a nutritionist, right? And they all serve for your well-being. Your executive coach, your therapist, your counselor, maybe you have a specific career advisor, especially if you're in a niche field, they all serve as your care team and approaching that, um, that that's a big piece of your big debut LLC, right? We want to co-create those spaces so clients can move their action forward at a pace that serves them. Regardless of their current circumstances or job duties, we want to focus on the individual holistically. I love that. Yeah, 110%. And, you know, when you were talking about having almost the care team, it really made me think of how I've started to put together my care team and how my care team includes my spiritual advisors, you know, the people who help me with my business, even some of my friends, not all of them. Some of my friends are in my care team. Some of the other ones, I don't want them in anywhere near care when it comes to me. But it's it's really thinking concisely about who is it in my community that I need to have in this space mm-hmm. to support me and beyond that to help me become the most the most strong mentally, physically, spiritually, all of it, the most strong version of me because we cannot do this alone. We just simply cannot. 100%. I love it. I am a quitter and I want you to be one too. Join the Professional Quitters, my exclusive group coaching program and community for women of color job seekers who are ready to hand in their resignation letters, quit the careers, jobs, and companies that are not aligned with their goals and values, and start making up to 50% more in their new paycheck. I want to teach you the foundations of quitting, and it starts with that new job. Get more info on the Professional Quitters group coaching program by clicking the link in the show notes. It's going to feel damn good when you finally quit. So let's get you there. Latoya, I feel like we could talk about this subject forever because there's just so many directions to take 
burnout as a woman of color. There's so many directions to take putting ourselves first. I do have to say, though, putting yourself first can sometimes be really difficult to do when you have so many different obligations, when you have so many people depending on you, and when society and culture dictates that we have to be, quote unquote, the superwoman. So what would you say to someone who's like, yeah, this all sounds really great, but I have so many obligations and it's really challenging to put myself first. What's a word of encouragement or advice you'd give to them? Take that superwoman cape, put it on a non-combustible floor, douse it with gasoline and light that bad boy on fire. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah, I thought you were going to say hang that shit up, but no, let's just burn it. Mm -mm, Burn it, burn it. And then take the ashes and spread them over the ocean, right? The superwoman archetype has resulted in a lot of unintended consequences on our physical bodies and our well-being. And trust me, trust me. As a former perpetrator of the hustle and the grind culture, some of us just never really knew any better. We lived our lives, both personally and professionally, surviving. We had no notion of what thriving is. And some of us, for example, don't know how to relax because we've never been afforded the opportunity to do so. No one taught us that it was okay to put down these heavy objects and use all of our PTO and not feel guilty about it. No one taught us. We didn't have good object lessons of what um, what I hear now and, you know, what the young people say on social media, like the soft life. We, we never had good examples of what that meant because in our society that is very heavily driven off of capitalism, if you're not working, you're lazy. If you are not producing, what are you really doing? And the cold, hard reality is that many of the systems and people we're looking to please, they sleep great at night. Behind closed doors, some of us are spiraling out of control and we are mega stressed out. I work with so many women, Jasmine, who say to me things like, Toya, I'd love to take a break, but I don't have any help. I mean, I'd love to, but if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. When the reality is they don't know how to ask for help. Again, may feel like they don't deserve it. Don't know how to live interdependently of their community. They're also not really open to help. Being a control freak, in in air quotes, that's a trauma response, right? The need to, to have everything close to the vest for the sake of you getting it done when there is a community around you even when you don't think there's a community around you, what's the community you can build and learn how not just to not, not just to simply say no or push back, but to also celebrate the idea of saying no and pushing back, normalizing the celebration of saying no and pushing back. How do we celebrate ourselves for doing two things and not 10, both in the times of triumph and tribulation? And again, I I know these says easy does hard. Burnout is a consistent conversation. It is not a conversation that we should only have at the beginning of the year. It's not a conversation we should only have when we're out on medical leave because we've let our bodies deteriorate. It's not a conversation that we should have when our marriages are about to end. We should have this conversation consistently so that we can stay ahead of 
and build strategies around what does burnout look like for each individual. Absolutely. I think that conversation should be happening all the time with yourself first and really asking yourself and doing those physical check-ins, those mental check-ins, connecting to your support team and having those really hard conversations with yourself that may sometimes mean that you have to put something on the back burner, which is very difficult for us to do. It may mean stopping something for now because you need that time. So having those really difficult conversations with you about how are you feeling, what's going on with you, and what do you have to cut back on to really just be able to save yourself and put yourself first. So Toya, this was just absolutely wonderful. What a great conversation. Thank you. I feel the same way. I absolutely miss connecting with you. I love connecting with you. Um, I love, love, I mean, one of my my jams is an executive coach is the opportunity to hold space for individuals. And when we do so in a space at YBD, your big debut, where we can help individuals move their action forward, get them to an anti-burnout strategy, like I get mega excited. (laughs) I love it. I love it because I want to get to my anti-burnout strategies for sure. I'm still working on them. I'm still working on them. It's it's, it's 40 years of deconditioning happening over here. So it it takes time. And that's another thing, you know, that I want to mention is give yourself grace and compassion because breaking down these beliefs that were instilled on you, instilled on your parents that are generationally deep. And breaking down these mindsets of hustle when society around you is speaking differently than the way you want to live, this is not easy. It is not easy at all. So give yourself a lot of grace and compassion as you go through this journey of putting you first because everyone else will really want you to put everyone else first. So it's not easy. So Latoya, I do have one last question for you because I always like to ask this of my guests, you know, not having had the support that I felt like I needed early on in my career. There's so many things I wish I could just go back and say to that amazing Jasmine who stepped out into the workplace, into the workforce thinking, I'm going to conquer this and had some struggles in the beginning. So what would you say to your younger self? What's a piece of advice you would give to your younger self if you could go back and really just have that combo with her? I think upward mobility is great. It always has been. Yeah, go get that bag. Yep, go get that certification. Yep, go get all of the things because you are capable, you are highly intelligent, and you are beautiful in the skin that you're in. And learn how to enjoy the ride. What's your hurry? Stop and smell the roses along the path to success that you've built and learn to celebrate in real time all of your accomplishments, both micro and macro. I think that's what I would say. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Go get it. Go get that bag. Go get it. Go get that title. Go get it. And take care of yourself along the way. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Latoya, this has been amazing. Very last question. How do we, as listeners, get in contact with you? How do we follow you? How do we learn about how to work with you? I know so many people have got to be so damn inspired right now to take action towards putting themselves first and managing their burnout. So how do they come to you to get that support? Certainly, you can go to the website, www.yourbigdebutnow.com. Um, follow me out there on the internet. <laughs> I'm out there on Instagram at yourbigdebut. 
LinkedIn, same, your big debut. Um, If you want to check out some of my very colloquial and inspirational posts, see what I've got going on uh, throughout the month, the week, the quarter. You can also look me up on LinkedIn at Latoya Berkeley, B-U-R-K-L-E-Y. Love to connect. Folks can reach out to me, schedule a quick discovery call, and we can put together um, what those anti-burnout <laughs> strategies look like for them or talk about what's top of mind and, and build the road to uh, progress for them. I love it. I love it. Yeah, if you're ready for that big debut, which we all are, it's top of the year, and we're ready to debut ourselves in all of our greatness this year. So definitely hit up LaToya and check out the show notes for all of the links of where you can find her and follow her. She's got great stuff she's putting out there. Thank you so much again, LaToya, for this inspirational and informative conversation. You really gave me a lot to think about. I'm not lying right now when I have, when I tell you I have my yellow notepad and my pen right here and I've taken notes on all of the reflections I really need to be doing for myself. So thank you so much. This really helped me and I know it's helped the listeners. Well, thank you so much, Jasmine. I always appreciate being in community with you, someone who I certainly look up to as a fellow coach. And thank you so much for having me on the show today. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Until next time. That's all for today's show. Now that you know what you know, it's your move. So girl, get out there and make it. And if you have suggestions for topics you'd like me to talk about in the next episode, perhaps something that might help you get unstuck, then let me know by sending a DM on our Instagram page at her next career move. Don't forget to leave us a rating and subscribe to the show to support our movement to flood the work world with dope women of color ready to take it over.